Funk Radio is brought to you by Overmental.com, the media culture hive mind. Hey, funky listeners, you're listening to Funk Radio. Isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty it's cool. It's pretty cool. Ah, Jinx, you owe me a soda. Darn. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know and tune into our show on a regular basis, I am your funky host, Kyle. <laughs> and I'm your hun- the hun- hunky host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the funky host. And, and I'm the, the hunky, hunky host. host. I like that. God. I like that. Uh, we'll, we'll go with it. I'm Peter. Yes. That's funny. <laughs> Yes, uh, Peter Dinklage, because he's a little hunk. That's true. I uh, I feel kind of bad because we keep uh, the last few episodes have been really f- far apart from each other, and we keep saying, "Oh, we're gonna get back into the groove and make a lot of new I, episodes," and then we just I, can't think of anything. I was gonna say, I think the main thing standing our way isn't inspir isn't in I shouldn't say inspiration isn't the will to do it. It's finding episodes that are good enough our listeners that they're not going to be bored to shit yeah i mean there's definitely stuff we could talk about but it's not interesting we've we've (laughs) we've we fell into what i call the simpsons rut we've been on for so long that we've literally run through every possible plot scenario and therefore there's nothing to do in fact this this plot scenario that we're talking about today is actually a reversal of one we did way 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 back like the first thirty episodes, I think. Probably, yeah. I I have no recollection of when we did that I, episode. I know it was fairly early on. Oh, but, here um, it is! Wow, it was episode eleven. Oh, Holy wow. crap! I thought it was a lot later than that. Wow. Okay. I'm well, you listeners have no idea what we're talking about. No, not at all. <laughs> um, so in episode eleven, which was I guess over two years ago now, uh, we did an episode uh, about uh, actors who decided to try to make funk music and record songs. And in some cases, I think it went over better than others. Uh, obviously, some of them not being professional musicians kind of turned into a hilarious disaster. Uh, in this episode, we're actually doing, the, like 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 Kyle said, uh, we're doing the, the, doing the reverse of uh, funky or I guess mostly R&B type actors. Or we're, we're kind of stretching it a little bit today. Um, who went into acting, at least... You mean singers that went into acting? Yes. Sorry. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we delved through our extensive knowledge of Google and Wikipedia and found, um, like Peter said, mostly R&B singers that tried their hand at acting. I mean, some of them were successful and did many movies. Some of them quit after one because they were not good. <laughs> um, but... So we're going to talk about some of these actors and some of the movies they played in, and since it doesn't really make sense for us to play music from them, since when we're talking about their moving movie roles, we are going to try and find at least some video clips of their acting and put them up on Overmental for you guys to peruse at your leisure. That's true. Now, we may or may not be successful in finding all of them because copyright and all that, but yeah. we, we will do our damnedest. Yes, that's true. 
Um, so, Ty, so we have a number of people, probably about 10-ish people in our list. Um, you did mention Simpson syndrome. Maybe we should start with Michael Jackson, because one of the things in his filmography was when he did the voice the Simpsons. acting. I forgot about that. When he, Dude, Michael Jackson. favorite episodes. Yeah. That was when he played, uh, I think his name was like Leroy or something. I don't know. Yeah. Homer, Homer ends up in like a mental institution. This is really funny. Homer washes one of his shirts... His white shirts, oh, yeah. white shirts. <laughs> and with like Bart's shirts or whatever because Bart's shirts are red and his shirt ends up pink so he's like crap so he wears a pink shirt to work and then his boss Mr. S- uh, Burns basically thinks he's like gay because of it and so because it's the early 90s and gay is still not okay uh, they put him in like a mental institution and it basically turns into a parody of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest uh, and then he, in the mental institution, he meets, like, this big, fat white guy named, like, Leroy or something, I don't remember, but it's actually the voice of Michael Jackson, and this guy thinks he's Michael Jackson in the show. For whatever reason, they both are let out of the institution. I think Leroy was there voluntarily or something, like, he wasn't even... T- oh, and, like, yeah. He just showed up. So... Homer's like, oh, I'm friends with Michael Jackson. The whole town freaks out. It's like, oh my god, we get to meet Michael Jackson. This guy, this big, huge white guy shows up, and they're like, that's not Michael Jackson. And <laughs> it all culminates in him and Bart writing a birthday song for Lisa, because Bart was a dick to Lisa. Oh, yeah. On her birthday or something. And I remember he wasn't actually even credited in the end credits as his real name. He, he was, it was like some superman. Oh, that's funny. Because he didn't want, he didn't want all the publicity around it. Or maybe, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, I wouldn't necessarily consider that to be acting. Be acting. <laughs> I mean, like it's voice acting, but you could, you could. So many singers say, do like voice, say, like cameos. If we did, if we included voice acting, we'd have like triple the list. Yeah. Um, but he did do a couple of other movies. Um, I guess the first one that he was in was called The Wiz. I guess it's like a reimagining of The Wizard of Oz, but it's a yeah, it's, it's a musical. Like, Black exploitation, Wizard of Oz. I'm not sure it was black exploitation, but but I thought it was like all. I thought it was an all black cast. Uh, I don't. Doesn't look like it. Oh, but it might well, be. Then. I'm not sure. You listeners can tell us on Facebook. Um, but it was co-created between Motown Productions and Universal Pictures, and it came out in 1978. Nice. And that featured, and it was a musical, obviously. So, um, uh, it also. Fun fact, uh, starred Diana Ross as well. Diana Ross um, plays Dorothy, and Michael Jackson plays the Scarecrow. That's pretty fun. Among some other people who played other characters. But uh, So that's one movie he was in. Um, he was in a couple, I think I, I was looking at his filmography, and most of them are basically <laughs> just long music videos for himself. Yeah, I mean, his music videos can basically be called movies, because they were like, how, how long was Thriller? Like, 25 minutes? Something like that. I think this, it was 13, maybe. I don't remember. The, by the way, The Wiz also had Richard Pryor, which is pretty funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it also says that Quincy Jones supervised the adaptation of Luther Vandross's songs for the film. Nice. That's pretty cool. We don't talk about Luther Vandross very much, but I like him. He's pretty sexy. Yes. Well, there was another one that was, I guess, technically a film by Michael Jackson was Moonwalker. But again, that was basically just like an hour and a half long uh, music video. 
uh, I think it was cut up into multiple like segments that were all different, but they were all basically just music videos. So it's it's kind of hard, I guess, to draw the line sometimes. Oh, this is sad. Okay, so this is going back to the Wiz a little bit. Uh-huh. It says that the Wiz was basically a commercial failure and marked the end of the resurgence of African American films that began with the black exploitation movement in the seventies. So literally, the Wiz killed black exploitation. <laughs> That is so depressing. That's really funny. So it was a black exploitation you were right then. I of sorts, yeah. In uh, in the sense that it was a mostly black cast. Right. But similar to other terrible films it's gone on to become a cult classic. That's like, funny. Like The Room and um the other one. Rocky Horror Picture Show. I don't know. Is it a bad movie? I like that movie. I I don't know. I I, I kind of want to watch The Wiz, though. Now I'm curious. I know. We sh- yeah, we should. You should save it for when I come up to, to visit, the land yeah. of beards and hipsters. <laughs> we go, we'll watch The Wiz. Yeah. That sounds fun. <laughs> what are you going to do on your vacation? We're going to watch The Wiz. <laughs> and um, then we're going to watch Shazam. <laughs> um, I also want to mention, not it's not a full-length film, but I also want to mention that he was in Captain EO as well. So I thought that was just a ride at Disneyland. It was. Well, it, it's it's considered a short film. Um, I think it was only like fifteen minutes long, or something. I like I said, it's not. I wouldn't consider that an actual movie, but I would. I it's kind of more of like a shout out to, for that because it's pretty I, awesome. Because he does I'm act hurt. in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is an acting role, which in which he does do music. I, I do encourage people to go on that ride at Disneyland if they have the chance. It's, Is it still there? Or no, I, they replaced it. Again? Because that's what... No, because Star Wars turned into it. Or it yeah, sorry. Mm, uh, no, they you, used that building for Star Wars, I thought. No. Um, they had... Because it was there in the 80s, and then they got rid of it in the mid-90s. And then they replaced it with... Well, the, the most recent one was Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Which and then when Michael Jackson died, they put Captain Neo back in. Oh, I bet, I bet but, that's what happened. I bet they had it there for a short period because I'm like eighty percent sure that's where they put the Star Wars one. I don't see why they Star were Star Tours. Star Tours, yeah. But that's like a diff- that's a different building, though. I think it is. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'm dumb. Um, I'm trying to see if it's still there. Oh, okay. So actually, they just closed it again in April. It's only a couple months ago. Oh. But it was there for five years, about. That's not bad. So that's not bad, yeah, for sure. And yeah, actually, it reopened not that long after he died. Because it says June 2010, which is... Man, it was, he died five years ago? I guess. When I'm did bad. he die in 09? Or in... Oh, yeah, it was... In, oh, okay, so it was a year after he died. Okay. But, uh, yeah, Damn. five years is actually not bad. I'm old. That seems like yesterday. <laughs> Um, another artist we found this is actually what led me to come up with this topic is um, Tina Turner was in the movie Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome which is the fourth I believe installation of Mad Max that well I guess the one that's out now would be the fifth I don't know whatever mm-hmm. um, yeah because it was on cable obviously in, the, in lieu of the whole Mad Max Fury Road movie being out which by the way Holy freaking crap. Awesome movie. Yeah, that was a good movie. So good. Dude, I'll send it to you, um, and maybe we can post it for our listeners, even though it has nothing to do with funk. There was a 
um, series of, I guess, VFX shots where they showed the VFX shot and they showed the practical footage. Mm -hmm. And literally, like, most of the VFX was just color correction of, like, the explosions to make them, like, super orange. But, like, even the practical footage looks really badass and, like, shows how much that movie wasn't 3D or It was actually, like, it was, like, practical effects. Yeah. Like, even the the shots where, not to spoil anything, where the dirt bike guys are jumping over the truck, Mm -hmm. like, that was, like, real stunt people doing that. That's freaking (laughs) crazy. I always love movies that will actually do practical effects like that and not depend on... I know, right? Doing it in post, because that there's, just makes it that much more special. There's so many movies, like, for example, I was watching uh, practical shots of the Avengers Age of Ultron that just came out, mm. and, like, literally, it's just green screens everywhere, like, the actors doing something with, like, some weird green-screened-out prop, like, Thor's hammer was, like, green-screened or something, I don't remember. Mm. And it's just like, dude, like, that's got to suck for the actors when they're just, like, in a green room with nothing to act on, you know? Yeah. I know, to me, it takes some of the magic out of it when I know. you're not even... I mean, you're, obviously, you're making a movie and you're adding a lot of stuff into it later, but I think the more you can get into it when you're actually, like, standing there with the actors filming it, I think that makes sense. I remember... Cool. I don't, this is just, like, kind of an anecdotal, like, urban legend. I don't know if it really happened, but I heard somewhere that when Sir Ian McClellan was playing Gandalf in the original, uh, what do you call it? Lord, Lord of the Rings films. There was a, there were scenes he had to shoot where he was talking to some, you know, CG character. I don't know if it was Gollum or what it was. And they literally just had like a green ball on a stick. <laughs> and he had to act as if he was talking to a green, to a person when he's looking at a green ball on the stick. And being a super respected thespian actor, he kind of had like a mental breakdown of sorts where he just like stopped and he's just like I can't do this like this is not what acting is meant to be and if this is where it's going Mm. I weep for the future that's a really good point on his Uh, part but I can can imagine that's really difficult yeah dude seriously especially for like real actors who are like so uh, what's the word motivated by you know the other actors around them the scene whatever to just have to act in like an empty green room like it sucks the fun out of it i would think yeah right i mean voice acting you know you sit in a room and talking to a mic whatever but it's basically like voice acting but with your body there too because then they just put you and your body into some 3d scene body acting exactly like mocap's got to be the same way you know Mm mm-hmm I don't know. We should ask our friend Liz. She mo-capped. <laughs> did it suck? Did it suck the life out of you? Oh man. Um. Oh, so Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Sorry. Yeah. Way I, off topic. I forgot. What way we were off topic. So yeah, Tina Turner was in this uh, third or fourth installation of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which um, I did watch part of it because it was on cable it was just so oh it's the third one okay Hmm. it was bad it came out in 1985 height of tina turner's you know resurgence Hmm. or whatever so she was crazy popular then she played like the villain which was weird as hell her acting wasn't terrible Hmm. but it's it's kind of like it wasn't terrible because all of the movie's acting was pretty bad so it didn't stand out (laughs) Where it normally you. would, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, Does she sing at all? 
in the movie? I don't kind of not it. not in any of the parts that I saw. Um, hmm. there was a part where it's within the Thunderdome, and him and this other guy are uh, him being uh, uh Mel Gibson, Mad Max, hmm. are in like these ba- you know like those when you put a baby in like that little bouncy thing and they like bounce up and down because it's like a yeah. tethered. I don't know what you call those. Was he in one of those? He was basically in one of those. He was in, like, a baby bouncer with this <laughs> other guy who was, like, this big, giant, like, guy. Like, he looked like he was, like, Sloth from the Goonies. And he was fighting him. And he finally, like, pins him down. And the whole and all the Thunderdome people are like, kill him, kill him. He takes his helmet off. And it's, like, a mentally handicapped guy. And it's just sad because he's, like, eee. That's, and that's terrible. has, like, a smile on his face. <laughs> And Bad Max can't kill him because he's mentally handicapped. And I'm just like, this seems like a weird exploitation of the handicapped. Yeah. That's bizarre. It's really weird. But yeah, so (laughs) you guys should watch that movie, but it's just bizarre as all shit. I mean, not that any of the Bad Max movies aren't, but because it was... It's bizarre in an 80s way. Exactly. That's, That's a good way to put it. So yeah, and she was the villain in it, which, excuse me, which was incredibly, she doesn't seem villainous. It's really weird because the only other time I've ever really heard about this movie Mm -hmm. is in the old college funk radio, we mentioned it. We did? We mentioned that she was in it, yeah. But (laughs) other than that, I've never heard anything about this movie. I don't think a lot of people have. I don't think it's a highly lauded movie I don't know I'm looking at yeah. images of this movie it just seems weird because I keep thinking like what were the old Mad Max movies like, Can, like the original I, I, the, the new one is like the original yeah. one was good like the first one was good but then like it just like it's like Jaws 2 and 3 it just got bad mm-hmm. you know because I was trying to imagine like the style that that movie is in now and then comparing that to like the 70s when they first came out what's funny is I didn't know this and they didn't really say this because I don't think it was necessarily meant to be the same guy, but the guy that played the villain in Fury Road was the same actor that played the villain in the first movie. Oh, sweet. So I don't know if viewers were supposed to know that it's that same guy older, or if it just happened to be the same actor, you know, hmm. playing a different character. It never. That's what I loved about Fury Road, I think, is so little was explained, but it didn't need to be. You know, I was actually thinking about that today. How like you basically basically explain nothing, but it just you, you it kind just of understand works. it just going right into it. Yeah, it's like this movie's crazy and it's insane, so we're not gonna attempt to explain shit. You just gotta like kind of enjoy the ride. No pun intended. <laughs> I mean, but there's that's a, awesome. There's only a few like simple rules, and they're basically self-explanatory, and then you yeah. can kind of just enjoy it. Exactly. And I hate movies that like overly explain shit to you because it's like it has to hold your hand through it, you know. Yeah. That's I love this movie for that. Everyone should go see it. What do we got up next, Mister Peter? Let's stay in the same time period, maybe like seventies, eighties, uh, late okay. late seventies. Um, when uh, I Sa- uh, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, that's where I'm going. That was um, seventy. That was seventy. Yeah, I don't know when. When was what about? When was when did Greece come out? Fuck if I know. Eighty something. Uh, I think. No, it was earlier than that. Seventy. Seventy-eight. Oh wow. Oh, so same year. 
about the same time. Wow, so John Travolta was in both of those movies in the same year, and those were both, like, huge movies, at least at the time. Oh, sorry, uh, 77 was Saturday Night Vegas, uh, okay. so a year apart, but still. Yeah. Two huge movies back-to-back, it's pretty good. So yeah, um, John Travolta was in both of those. I didn't really know he was much a of singer. a singer, but I was looking him up just to see, and... Yeah, I guess in the 70s, he had, I don't know, he had like 10 albums or something in his early career. Shit. I had to look it up again, but, um, I I mean, uh, uh, his, his early career was defined by, like, he was very much like a musical theater type guy, um, Mm -hmm. which explains why he was able to do music as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had albums from the early 70s into the late 80s. And then oh. a few after that, so. Um, he had an album in '83 called Two of a Kind" that actually went to number twenty-six on the pop, on the U.S. charts. That's not terrible. <laughs> he looks really, really. Yeah, I guess creepy. other than Greece, that was his best performing. Album. He looks really creepy in the album cover for that. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so. Wait, sorry, which one was that? Two of a Kind." Two of a Kind," uh, nineteen eighty-three. <laughs> Um, I, so I guess he did that one with Olivia Newton-John as well huh. as as Grease um, so I, I'll mention her as well because she actually is mainly, mainly a singer and then did that movie and maybe some other stuff true um, but those are I guess two people who made movies Oot. who also did singing Oot. I haven't seen either of those movies uh, I like Saturday Night Fever I have the soundtrack it's, it's cheesy oh. and literally like the most 70s movie ever but it's pretty it's got some it's got some funny scenes it's it's been on my list for a long time maybe that'll be another one that we can watch when you come up here for sure yeah we should just exactly make like a movie list i can dig it we we did that when we lived together we still never watched we never watched anything we never well i've seen it but you never finished uh goodwill hunting ever that's true i did not i I never saw the last 20 minutes of it I'm pretty sure it's on on uh, Netflix still. I think you need to do that tonight. <laughs> At this point, I would have to watch the whole thing again because that was like five years ago. Yeah, that's true. It's a good like movie. It's, I know I, it I've was seen a good that movie. movie. I've seen that movie like probably like five or six times. But I like uh, what's his face, Matt Damon. So yeah, um, speaking of nothing to do with that. Whatsoever. Speaking of Matt Damon, what about Mark Wahlberg? There you go. Because they were acting around the same time period. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, for those of you that don't know him prior to movies like Ted and Transformers 4 and (laughs) other such terrible things, um, in the early 90s he was part of a group called Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. They were basically like a very terrible 90s rap group um, out of Boston. He's from Bastion. And Bastion. And obviously, he forwent his uh, illustrious career as Marky Mark to become a serious thespian actor. Uh, he played in many, many movies. The movie that I wanted to particularly mention, because it fits into our little musical niche, is Boogie Nights, which is a hilarious movie that I recommend all of you watch. Oh, he was in that. I forgot about that. Yeah. You saw that movie, right? I think. No, but I know he's in it. Dude, I kept telling you to watch that movie. I even tried to, I even like tried to sit you and Dan down to watch it when we lived together. I don't think we did though. But um, mm. yeah, it's really funny though because it's it it makes fun of the 
ostentatiousness of the 70s both in the sort of disco scene but also the porn scene because you kind of get sucked into like the world of porn it's pretty funny Hmm. Um, so yeah guys should watch that so I guess Mark Wahlberg and John Travolta are sort of in the same vein of they started doing a lot of music and then later moved on to acting but uh, then became more known for their acting yeah exactly yeah, that's a good point. They're, they, I guess that could be our tie-in for those two. Um, but I don't think there's anyone else from this list who was quite at that same level. I think everyone else was kind of just like they did uh, a they did a movie. I mean, Jennifer Hudson. I think she did like a handful. I think she's most known for Dreamgirls, but she hmm. didn't ask her for it, so she's not a bad actor. That's a good point. Uh, okay, so yeah, Jennifer Hudson. For those of you who don't know, she's a person who. Oh, well, I didn't became, know that. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, became famous on the third season of American Idol. One of the few people to come out of American Idol that actually had a successful career. Um, she acted in such movies as The Secret Life of Bees, which I think she also won an Oscar for. Um, what else? Dreamgirls, Winnie Mandela, and that's about it so far. <laughs> well, give her time. She probably wants to do more stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Um, reason I wanted to mention Dreamgirls specifically is it's a I don't want to say documentary but like what's the film DocuPic where like it's a documentary or no biopic of um, the Supremes but it's not actually the Supremes it's it's some other name because I don't know well the Supremes were super old by then or dead Diana Diana Ross wouldn't give them the rights to use it but uh it stars such other awesome actors as Jamie Foxx, Beyonce Knowles, Eddie Murphy, and her, Jennifer Hudson. Eddie Murphy is actually really good in the movie. And I think he got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Best Eddie Murphy. Best... <laughs> Best Boogie in Your Butt. Um, I actually recommended that album to someone just like a day or two ago. Oh my ago. god, why? Why? Because, <laughs> I don't know, we got talking about... I saw that in the dollar bin and I didn't buy it and I should have. Oh, damn. I know, right? Well, there's at least um, Party All the Time. This is actually not a terrible song. Yeah, that's true. Plus, it's got uh, Rick James, so. Yeah, for sure. True, true that, true that. I don't know. Um, But yeah, Dreamgirls, good movie, kind of chronicling the, the rise of success of the Supremes in the early to mid 60s. And so, it's got two, two good singers. Beyonce and Jennifer Hudson. Could they not? Because you said they wouldn't give him the rights. So did they at least? Were they at least able to sing songs by the Supremes? Uh, or was it me... like a completely new set of songs? And it was just supposed to like it's supposed to be them, but wasn't really. Good question. Let me see. Dreamgirls. Uh, blah blah blah. The history of Motown record label and why it's the Supremes. The story falls. Oh, so maybe it is the Supremes. Maybe I just effed up. Okay, well, so yeah, that's what I we do on Funk Radio. We we get facts wrong. Um, we're like Fox News. We uh, yeah, I guess it is about the Supremes, so they were able to hmm. get the, I guess the licensed rights to sing the actual songs. Yeah. Um, yeah, with 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 uh, moving along here with, with Prince and Purple Rain, um, the film, not the album or the song. Uh, wasn't I never saw it, but wasn't that basically just an extended yes. music video movie as well? Well, <laughs> sort no, of. It w- no, it had a plot, um, and it was sort of 
a parable of like uh, Prince's start in his career, hmm. but it was I, it was starring Prince, directed by Prince, loved by Prince. It's a good movie. I like it. But um, it's just a big, huge commercial for Prince, basically. Yeah, written by sorry, written by Prince, directed by Albert Magnoli. It's a name. Hmm. Uh, but it's the only feature film starring him actually that he didn't direct. Odd oh. enough. How many how many movies other other movies has he done? Good question. Where's Prince? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Dude, wasn't that was that a show or was that for like a fast food place? I'm trying to remember where that came from. Well it was it was a show at some point. Oh, I thought it was like kinda like Ronald McDonald. I thought it was like a spokesperson for like a fast food joint. <laughs> Like for KFC, yeah. Like you have to find her. She's at the bottom of this bucket of fried chicken. <laughs> you better buy it and then eat it. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> um, but no, that was an actual show. Yeah. Okay. Not... Okay. I didn't. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where that came from. He did other such films as Under the Cherry Moon, which I think I've actually heard of that. Sign of the Times and Graffiti Bridge. Hmm. Never heard of most of those. So, anyways, back to Purple Rain. Um, Purple Rain is about a frontman for a Minneapolis-based band called The Revolution, which isn't very dissimilar from Prince's band. Oh, uh, um, shoot! What was it? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like Prince and the. Uh, it was the Revolution. Oh, so yeah, it is based on his early career um but in the movie he's just known as the kid so Hmm. it kind of chronicles his start in music he has a really shitty home life his dad's a dick his mom's kind of also a dick uh he spends his days rehearsing and he performs like at this uh nightclub called first avenue which he's but he's also competing at this club for spot against another band called the time which is uh headed by morris day which is funny because they were actually really good friends Mm. um so i guess we could kind of talk about morris day being in this film as well because he morris day and the time i know we talked about them they did the song jungle love i don't know if you've heard it um very 80s song very good so yeah um good film basically kind of a self biopic of prince's early career and it start it has a bunch of prince songs Yep. Didn't expect that, did you? <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, good movie. And similar to Michael Jackson, it was kind of just made for Prince to be Prince. <laughs> We're just going to have Prince do Prince and everyone else just act around him. <laughs> don't even act. Just, don't even be there. Just have it be Prince playing all the characters. <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna like film him as all the characters and then put all the plates on top of each other so it's just a bunch of princes <laughs> god <laughs> that'd be pretty amazing that'd be pretty awesome um watch that kind of an offshoot uh, i mean we, we gotta come back to this because we didn't do them back to back obviously but kind of an offshoot of the saturday night fever thing where that was like that came out in like the height of the, the late the, the disco craze of the late 70s um at that same time in 78 we also had thank god it's friday um which was another motown productions movie slash columbia pictures apparently um 
starring Donna Summer. I guess she wasn't one of the main characters, apparently, but she was in it. Was it like a cameo? I guess, but it also features the Commodores as well. Huh. Um, they they performed Too Hot to Trot. Nice. Um, and then she performed Last Dance, which won the Academy Award for Best Song in 78, nice. probably because of this movie. So that's cool. It's the last dance. The last dance. And also this uh, this film stars uh, Jeff Goldblum. Nice. Pre-fly or post-fly? Uh, an early performance. Okay, so probably Jeff. pre-fly. You've seen The Fly, right? The one with him? I have not, no. Dude. It's obviously a remaking of that old 50s film, but it's so freaking creepy. Especially, like, when he, like, fully goes, like, full fly. It's, like, really grotesque. Like, even for an 80s film, I was just like, ew. Hmm. So, yeah, you should watch that, too. Um, it's grotesque, but you should watch it. Well, if you like horror films or monster movies. Yeah. Like um, The Blob. So, <laughs> Uh, Giorgio Moroder did the music of this film. The soundtrack, I guess. No, I'm pretty sure he was like Donna Summer's biological father. Her, I think he just he created her in a disco laboratory. <laughs> I'm imagining like the Powerpuff Girls where it's like sugar and spice and everything nice and then cocaine. <laughs> he like knocks over like a bag of cocaine and then that makes Donna Summer because disco... <laughs> Disco, purple rain, and cocaine. Disco was fueled by cocaine. That's a good point. Not saying that Donna Summer herself did cocaine. I don't think she did. Hmm. I don't know. So actually, I don't. I don't know if because like the Commodores and Donna Summer are both in this movie, but I don't know if maybe we consider those acting roles as much as just cameos of them performing. Eh, they could be honorable mentions. It's okay. Um, we could also actually. That just made me think. Wasn't um. Curtis Mayfield, didn't he have a cameo in? Yep, in, in Superfly. Uh, Superfly, because he did the See, soundtrack for that. I was gonna say, does that count because he did the music for it and he was simply performing the music in the movie? Where does that? I mean, that's cross? I would consider that a cameo. Yeah. That's not an action act, acting role. He's just performing, and the camera happened to be on. Yeah, true. Good point. But I I haven't seen this movie. Thank God it's Friday, so I don't know if that's the same deal or not. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, that's a good honorable mention, too. Curtis Mayfield doing Superfly in the movie Superfly. Everyone needs to watch that because it's awful. Well, it says Donna Summer is a character named Nicole Sims, who is an aspiring disco singer. So it seems like she so could actually be a character just, more than just... <laughs> like a minor character? ...being herself in the movie. Yeah, yeah. So Songs heard in the film not included in the soundtrack. There was uh, The Commodore's Brick House... There was the uh, the fifth dimension, with "You Are the Reason I Feel Like Dancing," huh. and uh, a couple of songs by the Village People as well. <laughs> Very nice. Everyone loves a village person. <laughs> Another actress that I uh, stumbled upon in my searches is a singer that I never actually heard of, but in in researching her, it's kind of interesting. She was a jazz singer in like the 50s and 60s who kind of made her persona after Billie Holiday she was inspired by her sounded like her but all that Mm. stuff so she had a singing career as a jazz singer but then went on to an acting career and she acted in a bunch of uh, movies in the 50s and 60s kind of 
like uh, what's his face? I don't know, some guy. Her name uh, is Happy Lincoln, by the way. Yeah, totally should have mentioned that. She's she was originally born Anna May Anna Marie Woldridge, but her stage name is Fanny May. But her um, stage name was Abby Lincoln, and she one of the movies that she performed in that I wanted to mention is the movie For the Love of Ivy, be mostly because she starred alongside Sidney Poitier, who is a very famous African American actor. Hmm. Oh, it's a romantic comedy. How lovely! For those of you that don't know Sidney Poitier, he was Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> he, um, for those of you that don't get that reference. He was in a movie called... Oh, shit. What was that movie? I don't remember. Oh, my gosh. I, for, I totally forgot he was in the movie Let's Do It Again uh, with Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> Which the Stable Singers actually did the soundtrack for. Hence the name. Hence or, the name. Wait, did, this, did the movie yes. title come from the song? Or the other way around? I, I think the song was written for the movie, so the t- it was just the title of the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, shoot, what is the movie where he's Mr. Tibbs? Here. I'm typing it in. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Is that... Oh, Raisin in the Sun. Okay. No. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Famous play slash movie. So, yeah, that's a thing. Um, so, yeah, Abby Lincoln, not super famous jazz singer, but a jazz singer nonetheless. And then she went on and did movies in the 60s. So, yay. That's pretty cool. She has a really sweet afro, though. I will give her credit for that. <laughs> well, Speaking of afros, dude, I went to Target today to buy some, uh, like, basketball shorts. Mm-hmm. And this dude in the, uh, this cashier, sweetest afro I ever saw, a black guy, full fuzzy beard. His afro was probably, like, a good foot and a half in diameter. <laughs> it was on point. That's awesome. Yeah, I was just, I, I, when I, I kind of felt bad because when I got up to him, I kind of just like glanced up like I was ashamed to look at it, but I had to. And he's like, did you find everything okay? (laughs) Jeez. And I was like, yeah, thanks. And I don't know, I just went on my way, but like secretly, like in the bottom of my soul. I I love your hair. I, I know, I really wanted to be like, dude, I respect your fro. <laughs> Mad props on the fro, how do I get one like you? He probably would have... Uh, would you let me touch your pick? <laughs> he probably would have uh, accepted the compliment. if you. I know, I just... It feels bad when, like, I don't know. I, I feel weird complimenting people on their hair, like, hey, dude, nice hair. <laughs> I don't know, that seems weird to me. Maybe it's the heterosexual in me, I'm not sure. But, uh... I don't know. Yeah, so that was that was my fun event for the evening. My my foray into black culture was <laughs> admiring the afro of a cashier at Target. I I live in Whitesville, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, well, should we finish off with Whitney Houston? Yes. Doing The Bodyguard. I... I I've never seen this movie, and you've never seen this movie, so I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. Well, we can just mention that she was in it. She was yeah, in a movie she was called... in a movie called The Bodyguard. The end. Was she was she a main I'm actress in that? I don't even I don't even know. 2012? No, that can't be right. She died. 
Here it is, 1992 film starring Kevin Costner, Costner and Whitney Houston. So I guess she was the leading male, leading female. Male. Jeez. <laughs> she was the, uh, she was trans, she was a transvestite. now. Um, she was, oh, okay, interesting. She was the leading female role in the movie. Interesting note about the movie, the, it was originally written by uh, Lawrence Kasdan in the 1970s, and the original actors he had in mind were Ryan O'Neill and Diana Ross. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. The film is Houston's acting debut and is the second highest grossing film worldwide in 1992. Damn. That's impressive. It made $400 million was it because, in 92. Was it because she was in it? It made that much money? Heck if I know. This is what I get for not researching. Well, I, don't, I, I would hope the listeners wouldn't expect us to watch all of these movies. And like, no, I'm, I, I love funk radio, but I'm not, I'm not that dedicated. Yeah. I don't care that I've much. Seen, <laughs> I've seen. I mean, I've seen half of them, so oh, that's definitely better than me. I'm not. It's not bad, but yeah, definitely have not seen all these movies. I kind of want to watch. Thank God it's Friday now, just because you know. Yeah. And the Wiz. So, yeah. And of course the Wiz. We no, we have to watch that together while playing a drinking game, where every time Michael Jackson comes on screen, <laughs> every time he says "ee hee," <laughs> take a shot, <laughs> and then we die. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was our list of uh, R&B and soul singers who tried to act, some successfully, some unsuccessfully. That's true. And like I said, we'll try and find some clips of their acting prowess and throw them up on Overmental for you guys, so you can mm-hmm. absorb them in with all your, of their with your eye in all of their in all of their eye yes, in all of the visual glory they were meant to. Because playing audio from it would just be dumb. Yeah. That's true. Um, so yes, you can go to overmental.com. Uh, that's our community where we post our podcasts. Um, you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. And if we forgot any uh, singers who are in movies, you can tell us there. You can also give us ideas for new episodes because we desperately need them. That's yeah. why we keep delaying. <laughs> um, also, if you've seen any of these movies and you have strong feelings about them, let us know. Um, before we go, I want to make a brief mention because you were saying you had like a brief foray into African American culture. Yes, um, I, that reminded me. I wanted to mention um, Hip Hop Family Tree, <laughs> <laughs> which is a, a, I recently discovered it this last week or two. It's a, uh, it's a. I guess it's a. I don't know the difference between a comic book and a graphic novel, Perfect. but I guess it's a comic book. I think a graphic novel is just a longer comic book. Yeah, I mean, like this a, is 110 pages-ish. It's pretty big. That's pages. pretty big. And this is volume one of soon-to-be three. Nice. So, um, but basically, it chronic. It's it's actually really accurate in the way that it chronicles like the development of hip hop music starting in like the the 70s. And then throughout the multiple editions, it, it starts then and it goes, I, I presumably up until uh, the present eventually. Huh. Uh, but this first, this first one is, I think it's mid to late seventies till early eighties, I think. Um, so basically, I mean, from the very start of like all of these um, different groups in the Bronx who are 
you know how they turn their personal style into like an actual uh, type of music that becomes really popular and all the different people that influence the style and they each of them have like their own different performance style and um uh, some of the some of the early names in hip-hop as well and it's, it's actually really like the the graphic style is really cool and it's also it's basically a history book but it's a comic book Hmm. Um, and I guess it's been lauded as being really um, accurate in its depictions nice. of the people and stuff. I'd love to see if I could find a copy of that. That sounds fun. Well, you can you can check out this one when you're up here. That's true. Um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it, um, and I'll, I'll probably get uh, the other editions eventually. Nice. Um, but again, that's called Hip Hop Family Tree, and, and I would definitely recommend that. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and definitely and, and another really nice thing this is the last thing I'll say yeah um, at the end it gives well not only like a bibliography and stuff but also a discography so all like the songs and like artists that they mentioned throughout the book they give you like a whole list of all dude, the songs cool. and stuff so that you can go like look them up and I did so that's really cool yeah yeah dude I told you because I started getting into like that older like 80s 70s 80s oh, 90s yeah. hip hop through uh, XM, and now you're getting into it through your your comic. Yeah, yeah. Once you finish the comics and you find the artists you appreciate, we should do like a a hip hop episode. That would be cool. I, I, um, I feel like we. Uh, I mean, I always have sort of liked some of that really early stuff, like before, it, like that transitional period before it actually became a thing, mm-hmm. because it was more like f- based in funk slash disco. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, this just expanded my whole knowledge of that. It's pretty, pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I'll have to borrow that from you mm-hmm. when I come up to the land of Oregonians. Is Oregon's main export oregano? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that was my bad joke for the Thanks evening, for listening so. to Hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to dad jokes. <laughs> Those are my favorite kind uh, of jokes. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, this has been your this has been your father figure, Kyle. And this has been your mother figure, Peter. <laughs> I guess. Now go to bed! So check us out on Facebook, Over Mental, and... Eat all your vegetables, drink a big glass of milk, and listen to Funk Radio. For more original podcasts, videos, and pop culture news, visit OverMental.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>